I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am joined today by Joey Richards and Nick Kendall. Obviously, I am Joe Rowles. Uh, and we are here to talk about our first round slash like top 40 big boards. Thanks for joining, guys. I'm excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much. Always, like I said, always fun to talk football. Any chance I can get that doesn't my, me bothering my wife to talk prospects and fits and the Broncos, I'll jump at it. I, I just want to kind of get into it. I want to talk prospects. I love I've, this is the best part of the year is like when kind of we're all kind of coming together where we all kind of know where we're at with guys. Um, and it's yeah. fun to kind of see and kind of like, like think about it really. Yeah. Do we want to preface it at all with the, the Broncos in general right now? I mean, I think we're all pretty much in the the realm of you got to look at quarterback. You got to assume that at least quarterback is an option trading up or being at nine and then kind of going from there. Cause I mean, Peyton's done a good job filling out this roster for 2020. What does that mean for or 2021? Excuse me. What does that mean going forward? Who knows? That's what the fun of the draft is, but uh, where are we at on the overall roster? And one thing, I guess, since we're talking about that, one thing that I think is interesting is that a lot of the moves he made was actually kind of just patching for 2021. And mm-hmm there's still a lot of questions going forward. And I think all like all of us can appreciate the fact that like the draft is about building the foundation of your team. It's not necessarily about fixing something right away. Um, and so because of that, basically everything's still on the table. I know on my board, uh, I actually have not looked at the top of this receiver class just because I cannot anticipate mm-hmm. Peyton drafting a guy at nine. Like, and again, I really like some of these players. Like I liked Devonta Smith last year. I was really bummed that he didn't come out last year. Uh, but I just, I didn't rank them mostly mm-hmm. just because I cannot imagine they're, they're going to take a guy at nine. Um, but that said, like, I, I do think like if they did it, you can argue that it would make sense just because again, Cortland Sutton's contract, Tim Patrick's contract, Deshaun Hamilton's contracts all run out after this year if they don't resign them. So in the, in the cornerback situations like that, the running back situations like that, the linebacker situations like that, Juwan James is probably going to be a cap casualty next year. So in all honesty, just about every position group is open except for maybe interior offensive line. Yeah, 100%. I, I totally ahead, agree. It, it seems like everything's pushed down the road for one year, which is, which is good. I mean, it gives you all the options you're looking for this season, right? It gives you the option to look at quarterback like Nick was alluding to, which I think we're all in favor for. Yeah. Um, and so the one thing I noticed when I was looking at our boards – is we don't always have them in the same order in the top, but the top six all kind of like all the same six guys are in the top. Um, we all have Trevor Lawrence as number one, Justin Fields is number two, Zach Wilson's number three, and then we start to mix. I have Sewell, Lance, Pitts. Um, you guys have Lance, and then Nick, you have Pitts, and then JR, you have Sewell. Um, but again, all six of those guys are kind of in the same, like same kind of uh, neighborhood is how I would kind of, and that's actually a tier for me. Um, Lance is a little bit lower. I actually split these two up because 
I think if you can trade up for one of the top three, obviously I would. Obviously, you're not going to be able to trade for Trevor Lawrence. But if I could, I definitely would. Um, and that's been one of the things I've talked about on Twitter a lot. Is If Justin Fields falls to four, I'm all for trading up to get him. Just because I think he's the second best quarterback in this class. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about all these guys, all of them have questions, but all of them also have uh, amazing traits, good tools, great arm talent, and solid athletes. Um, I think that because it's a COVID year, um, going with a guy like Justin Fields as my second quarterback as well. It's just because, you know, he's the he's the guy you know. You've seen him multiple times. I think that 2019 tape, uh, we had one good year of Joe Burrow, and that got him one overall. I think if Justin Fields was eligible last year, we might have a conversation because he was that good in 2019. Now, there was questions about, you know, some of the development of the quarterback position that he had, you know, going through the reads, whatnot. And I think he's a more developed quarterback now, but you didn't have these games where he fell flat, quote-unquote, fell flat and people are really pigeonholing to, uh, pigeonholing to him to that and also a little bit of a prospect fatigue. So I'm with you. I think Justin Fields is my second quarterback. If somebody had, you know, a hair up their butt and they met Trey Lance and like, oh, wow, this guy really, we hit it off of the coaching staff. He knows everything. Like, I got to get me some Trey Lance. He's my quarterback too. I'd have no issue with that. The same with Zach Wilson. I like all four of these top quarterbacks. I'd be willing to take a swing on any of them. And if there was a personal connection with any of them, with my scout or my coaching staff, swing away, baby. I'd be for it. Yeah, totally. Just building off of that, I mean, it, it, it's a rare quarterback class, right? It's You don't see five quarterbacks going in the top 10 or at least in discussion for the top 10 very often. So, I mean, you have a bunch of guys, all different types too, right? I mean, you uh, just taking a look at next year's quarterback class, you don't see the tools that these guys have mm-hmm. just from my looking at it. You don't see the complete prospect like a Lawrence Fields or Lance, right? So um, it's just a lot of intriguing guys. Fields is my number two. Uh, all the traits in the world, 6'3", 233, runs a 4'4", all of it. I, I, I love him. And the, the thing I love about Fields, and this is, again, I've got, I went back and forth early when I first started getting on the quarterbacks about Zach Wilson versus Justin Fields, just because Zach Wilson's, the best parts of Zach Wilson's game is, is fun. It's just straight up fun. Um, the, arm, uh, the arm talent, and the fact that he plays out a structure like that is really, really, it, it catches your eye. It's hard to miss. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that I really came back to on fields that I really, I still, I, again, I, I just think that he plays from the pocket and not only that, but he has like this, this, this element to his game, the physicality to his game. He uses it to keep himself alive in the pocket and he's looking to pass. Um, if anything, you kind of want him to run more, but at the same time, he has the tools that the Ohio state offense, like they used a lot of zone read. They used that element in spots. And when he had to run, it's a weapon. And, and that's one of those things that, and I, and I don't think it's a misnomer. Like a lot of people were, were saying this and people say, oh, you just hate Drew Locke. And I know that I get that. And I, and again, I kind of, I, I beg for it because of all the jokes. Uh, but, but the thing is, Justin Fields elevates your offense in a way that Drew Locke, I just don't think Drew Locke ever will. Um, and again, as you alluded to, JR, when you, when you look at next year's class, and I haven't done the deep dive in all the prospects yet, but I've watched Howell. I'm familiar with Rattler. First of all, if Rattler takes the jump that people expect, I don't think he's going to be available unless you're in the top three. I don't think the Broncos are going to fall into the top three again, unless they're just super injured and Drew Locke is just completely inept. So trading a future first, if you have to move up to me is justified because if this is your chance to get a guy, otherwise you're going to be waiting probably two years anyway. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, otherwise I think you're really talking about maybe a veteran quarterback. 
you know, yep. maybe a guy like, I mean, obviously people are like, Oh, I'd love Rogers or Wilson, but you might be talking about a Matt Ryan or a Kirk cousins, depending on what happens this upcoming season. Those are the kind of guys you're talking about. Then God forbid it's a Andy Dalton or Ryan Fitzpatrick. But uh, you know, that's if you're going to go for a quarterback and you have any questions about lock, I think now's the time. And it's more so it's not, I mean, obviously we all have questions about lock. I don't think that he can't be the guy, but it's, it's always been more about just how talented the top four guys are in this class. And, you know, we just saw with Sam Darnold, if you swing and miss, you can still get pretty good return. Now, it's not always true. Sometimes there's a Mitch Trubisky out there, but I think that these quarterbacks, the situation the Broncos have right now, uh, how just overall talented this offense is, the defense is going to be plug and play. You know, you can nurture a young quarterback here and really take advantage of that four or five year window. So the time is now. I mean, I go up and get one. I know you say you don't like Trey Lance as much. Quarterbacks for me, it's a home run derby, right? Like swing away, baby. I'd rather hit a home run. And if I swing three times and miss, I'll go sit down. But I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to go for a walk. I'm not going for a base on a ball with the quarterback position. Not, not good enough for me. And I would say the one thing with Lance, and this is why I don't necessarily want, I, I don't want to give up the same kind of capital to go get him. Mm. It's just because uh, limited sample size, the accuracy questions, both those things were concerns for me going in. And again, like the fact that he didn't play this year very, like he didn't play very much this year, isn't necessarily his fault, but at the same time, it's still a thing. Like you can't ignore it. And the fact is that makes him a riskier project. Like, like he may very well be farther along than he looks like to us watching the tape. And I know a lot of the talk about him is the intangibles, what was on his plate, stuff like that. And again, I don't see that as an NFL team would be able to. And because I can't bet it, and we all kind of, uh, we evaluate and weigh risk differently. And I think that'll come mm-hmm. out in the rest of the board. But for me, generally, if I have a question like that, I, I consider it. And I actually am more conservative with that kind of stuff. That's why like with Jalen Phillips and we'll get there. That's why Jalen mm-hmm. Phillips is lower on my board because I don't know. And if I don't have enough information, I would rather not take a gamble. And I'm not saying you guys are gambling, but like, I'm more conservative with that because I don't want to risk it. Um, and that's why with Lance, if I don't have the ability to interview him, see where he is on a chalkboard, stuff like that, I'm not necessarily trading away multiple drafts to go get him. But if he's there at nine, like I'm, I'm all for it because I do see the upside. And I think that, again, everything you hear about his character, I think he's going to be the kind of worker guy, worker bee to like really take that jump under pro coaching. Yeah, I mean, at floor for me, I mean, I see Colin Kaepernick, right? Take care of the football, extend the play. I mean, maybe not always the most accurate, but I, with a Vic Fangio defense and that floor and the ability to score in the red zone on third down, be kind of more of a, a smash mouth team with Trey, Trey Lance as that pivot point for the offense, I'm all for it. I'd be all about building that type of team. And also, I mean, you know, it's always talked about with Trey Lance, but he's a year younger than all these guys too. Yep. I mean, imagine evaluating Drew Locke off his freshman year of tape where he what was at four touchdowns and eight interceptions. Now, granted, it was the SEC, but like there is some projection there with Trey Lance. So Has it is a it is a gamble for where you're sitting, but I am it's I've taken it away from one of my favorite football analysts is Daniel Jeremiah, and he's talked about it with uh, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. It's these athletic attributes slash traits that are just God given. And then football character, whether that be the intelligence and the work ethic combined. If you get all those together, you got a special concoction. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Trey Lance has all those things now. It definitely is a projection. There is risk, but for me, I'm willing to risk on quarterback because worst case scenario, you get a Sam Darnold. And where are the Jets right now? Just re-rolling the dice. It's their yep. turn again. There you go. Uh, one question I have for you guys before we kind of move into where we really start to move apart a little bit. Um, would either one of you be open to trading up if it, that's what it took to get Sewell or Pitts? Because both of us, like all of us, have them in the top six. 
but they're not quarterbacks, no. obviously. No. Yep. No. Yeah. No. I, I I don't think trading up for anything outside of quarterback is the move for me. I don't think that's the the right move. I, the only position I think worth trading up for is quarterback. Um, it's just tough because I'm trying to think like what left tackle in the league am I willing to trade? I mean, how how much am I trading up? I guess is part of okay. it. But how so, how much am I willing to trade up for a left tackle, the best left tackle in football? Let's say how much is that? So I'll give you just a hypothetical. Let's say Panay Sewell falls to seven, but the Detroit Lions are ardently opposed to an opt-out player. Um, and again, we've heard that somebody in the top 10 is opposed. I've heard that it's Miami. We don't know, obviously. But let's say it's Detroit. And Detroit's willing to move down to nine to make sure – and you have a chance to jump Carolina who wants Sewell. Like they'll take a left tackle because they need one. Yeah. They want – Let's say I don't I don't have the value in front of me, but let's say they want a second rounder or a third rounder. I wouldn't do it because again, like you, I think you're, the gamble on a prospect in my mind is worth it for a quarterback because if you miss, you miss the the, the the payoff for getting that right is so it's so important and it's so worth it that I would gamble on that. I wouldn't gamble on that at any other position just because even the best left tackle, like we saw this happen with Joe Thomas, like he was the best left tackle in football. And the rest of the draft, like the rest of the team around him just wasn't good enough. And it didn't matter that he was the best left tackle in football. I would consider it if the Broncos had their quarterback in place, just because you already have that piece, you can actually be a little bit more aggressive with those auxiliary pieces. And it's crazy to call, you know, a blindside blocker an auxiliary piece. But I mean, that's just the reality of the NFL of the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, so like, let's say if they had, let's say where the Broncos were Arizona Cardinals and you had Kyler Murray and you needed that tackle and you thought there was a drop off there. That's a different conversation than where the Broncos are right now in the land of the unknown of the quarterback. So you need those bullets, whether that be using them to get a quarterback later or to have more capital later on, you know, whether that be cap space or that you can give away other picks. Um, so I think it's more of an asset accumulation phase for the Broncos rather than going up for non quarterbacks in the top 10. Now, if you're talking trading the first round, there is something to be said, I think about trading back up into the back end of the first round to get a fifth year option. But uh, if you're talking from nine up, it's, it's quarterback or nothing. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so kind of the next part of the board, and this is actually where it starts to get really fun in my mind. Um, so your, both of you guys, the next player on your board is Slater and I like Slater a lot. He's actually my eighth, but I have Sertan and I am significantly higher on Sertan than both you guys on this. Uh, so my first question to you is why for both of you that Sertan is not in the top, like eight. For me, it's just, I, I don't, I don't love the scheme fit with the off coverage stuff. I don't love his clicking clothes and I don't love, I feel like the quicker, smaller receivers give him more trouble than the big ones. And the NFL is leading in a direction where um, like we're in the division with the chiefs, right? Sertan's going to have trouble with the Tyree kills in my mind. Yep. So that, that's why he's a little lower on for me. Yeah, I would prefer him. If the Broncos are running more of a – with offense, I don't think guys are as scheme-specific, but that's not as true for defense. And uh, you're talking about – I mean, you know that Vic <clears> – <throat> excuse me um, – used Prince of Mukamara with the Bears on a more of a press coverage, but typically his defenses have utilized off coverage on the boundary. So um, Patrick Sertan, he just – I don't see the ability to click and close, and I think you take away a good chunk of his game if you don't afford him playing press coverage. And um, the I have him and JC Horn neck and neck. I'll just give it away to my 12 and 13th ranked player. Um, I like them both a lot. I think that the Broncos don't have the, as much of a path for a boundary corner as some other positions as well. And I don't have their upside and scheme fit like some other guys. So I like them both. 
Um, I think, God, I really, really did like Caleb Farley before that injury scares me a lot. I think he's a great scheme fit and a great athlete as well. And just one of those guys that has the chance to be pretty special, but, uh, I don't know. I like, I like, I've, if we're going cornerback, I would trade back and kind of go get with a more scheme specific guy. And you know, we don't have to get a Derek Stingley or a Marshawn Lattimore to make this defense work. It doesn't hurt, but you don't have to have that guy. Also. I think it's more of a quantity over quality on that back end. I feel that. And so for me, this is, this was a clear split in a tier. And so Sertan for me is kind of like, if you're stuck at nine, cannot trade back, who is the best player that I would take? And I, I would take Sertan just because what he can do from a press is really, I think it's really special. It has a really, really, he's a high floor player. Um, I barring injury or barring some sort of character thing that I can't foresee. I think he's going to be a solid pro at worst. Um, and then the, the upside for that, I think he's going to be an all pro type of player. Um, yes. I, and again, this is where I'm at. I do think that yes, Fangio would have to adjust his defense to make the most of him. Um, and it would also, if the Broncos did take him, I would have questions about the fact that Peyton is taking a cornerback that is not necessarily a clean scheme fit for Fangio. So that would be a question in my mind. That said, cornerback to me is one of the most valuable positions in football. So I'm not going to be that upset about it, even if Sertan is stuck sitting behind the starters this year. Um, I know a lot of fans and I know some people in the media would probably be really upset about that because again, essentially you're taking the ninth overall pick and it's not going to be an impact player in 2021 barring injury. At the same time, Ronald Darby, Bryce Callahan have both had enough injury history that I think it makes sense to have a guy there anyway. Um, so for me, if the Broncos don't take a cornerback at nine, I actually hope they consider it at 40. It just, it completely depends on how the board falls. Yeah. Oh right? yeah. Like cornerback, yeah. So it's, I mean, I have no issue with it being nine. I feel like after, after Slater, so I guess I have seven guys that uh, after Slater, I'm really hoping for, I could, like I could swallow the Broncos taking Sewell or Slater Pitts. I don't think yeah. I'd be there. Um, after that though, it's a trade down or, you know, if, tears if they can, I'm definitely, if they can, I'm definitely all it, like, basically I have the top six. If they mm -hmm. don't get somebody in the top six, I hope they can trade down. My concern mm -hmm. is if all those guys in the top six are gone, I, and again, we, we talk, you can talk yourself into and out of this, but mm -hmm. if they can't trade down. That's what I try to approach it as. If they can trade down, yeah, I would much rather trade down and get a better scheme fit or one of the other players because I do think for me, the players 7 through 20 on my board are much closer in what I think of them than the guys in the top six. I think we just disagree a little bit on Rashawn Slater. I would yeah. I would put him up there as well, and it's just because of versatility and offensive line, much like the cornerback secondary, you're as good as your weakest guy. So if that means that, like, you know, let's say – Slater comes in and Juwan James plays greater right tackle and Slater beats Dalton Reisner. Awesome. You know, like, sorry, Reisner, I, you know, that's, that's great for the offensive line. Or let's say, you know, we have to shovel the offensive line. Glasgow goes to center and Slater plays right guard. Fantastic. And you already touched on it. Juwan James and the Broncos seem coming to an imminent divorce. So I like Slater a lot. I do think he's a slightly better fit for an uh, outside zone scheme or yeah. a wide zone scheme, and but uh, he can play all five spots. You're going to get the offensive line so much better and you're going to put the offense in a position where, you know, we already had no, ex we were already kind of at the point where no excuses for lock, but this offense then would be ready to chug outside that quarterback position and maybe making it more um, appeasing to a Russell Wilson or a Matt Ryan, a guy that's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go play my next chapter or whatever in Denver. That team is ready to go. The offensive line, they've invested in it. You know, they got, they got something going. So I don't think it's a bad idea. And I, I was definitely on the record of being, you know, maybe don't take Quentin Nelson. I backed off of that since then because special players are special players. I mean, I think you can see that with Kyle Pitts. Um, but Slater, the fact that he can play all five, I think he can play right tackle fine, hit that 33-inch arm 
uh, length measurement. Not the best, but fine. I, I would take on him, and uh, I feel like you're talking about a safe player. I think Slater is even safer than Sertan while being more scheme versatile. Yeah, totally. I, I think Nick nailed all of the points I was going to say right there. All of them, yeah. Uh, and so the reason that I would trade down rather than take Slater, and, and this is true for Sertan, Slater, or Jenkins at nine, uh, is just because, as you mentioned, the scheme, the the slight issue with the fact that he is going to be better in outside zone. And again, it's it's picking nits, but in, at nine, if I can trade down in a deep tackle class and get a guy that I think is a better fit for what the Broncos do, I will. Um, if if the Broncos are at nine, they take Slater over Sertan. I'm going to be okay with it. Um, yeah. And like you said, I do think he's honestly he's probably the safest player in this draft just because if he doesn't pan out a tackle, he's going to be really good on the inside. So I, I know you're the host right now. I did want to pivot this to you guys both. You said, you know, falling to nine, you'd be fine with that. I honestly, if Sewell was there at nine, I think I might prefer trading down. It obviously depends on what the capital is. And I think Sewell is a very good player. But again, I am very much in the boat where if you don't have a quarterback, pack yeah. it up, we'll see you next year. So let's say the Vikings are calling at 14 and they're offering you 14 in a 2022 20, second. I like you, Sewell. I'm going to get that extra capital to that way I can, you know, buy into the high leverage stakes table next season. Cause there's going to be obviously the lions, the Eagles, the, the jets, maybe even, I mean, I guess they're going to take Wilson, but there's going to be some teams that can outbid you. I want to get a seat at that table. If, if I want, I, I would probably stay put just because an elite player is in there staring me in the face. Yeah. I would be way too anxious to trade out of that and go for a lower level player, but I totally understand the reasoning there. It makes perfect sense. I would want to see what the return is. Uh, yeah. I if I if I can get a 2022 first, I would probably do it just because again and again this comes back and I, I know I'm like chief hater here. I don't be, I think that if they roll out lock this year, what's going to end up happening is even best case scenario, he'll be a guy you can win with, and you're still going to be looking for a quarterback because next year he'll be entering contract year. I would assume, barring him turning into an actual like top ten type of player they're going to have this this conundrum of what do we pay him to keep him and do we want to pay him to keep him or is he the guy until we find the guy? And if he's the guy until you find the guy, you have to do everything you can to go find the guy. And in that scenario, yeah, if I can go get a 2022 first instead of Sewell, I'm probably tempted. A 22-22 second, I just, and again, this is, it's picking nits here. I just worry that a second is still not going to be enough to move up if you can. I'm still tempted, but I, I, Sewell to me at that point, I might take him just because that might be what it takes to lure Russell Wilson because you can sell him on the fact you have an offensive line. Yeah. I mean, the reason I said a second is because trading from nine to 14 to the Vikings, if they gave it first, you know, hallelujah. But uh, I don't think that's probably going to happen for a tackle. Probably not. Um, so we kind of, well, so JR, your, your next couple picks are a little bit different. You guys are both higher on Phillips than me. Uh, I'm assuming it's because you guys are more comfortable with the injury history and the film. I want to, I want to ask you about it. Um, because he, even if he was healthy and even if there wasn't durability concerns, I will admit he would be my edge two. He wouldn't be my edge one. Um, but I love Aziz Adjulari. Like, and I'm, I can't help it. I just do. Yeah. I, I just don't feel like I have enough experience in the injuries to say, okay, I would move him down exactly this many spots or my grade would go down this many. So mine is just purely off the film. Okay. Um, like for a guy like Farley, it's easier to say, cause I'm sitting there. Okay. He didn't play at all this last season and he has a back injury. What's up with that? So, yeah. and then I can move him down a little more, but the concussions he played this whole last year, it, it's just a tough one for me to move him down and know how much. So, 
yeah, it comes down to specifics of your team doctor, right? Like there's, uh, I don't know if you guys know Carl Dummler at all, but his wife does a lot of stuff with concussions. And there's been some pretty good, uh, you know, breakthroughs in that science over the last 10 years. So uh, if my team doctors or neuroscientists say, I'm not really concerned about this, um, I think he's got the best tape in the class. I'm also a believer um, with the way the, the way the game is going right now. The finesse rushers are not as impactful as the power guys who can do a lot more across the line. Um, I think, you know, being able to rush four and drop eight, you, you can't really have the finesse guys as much to do that. So Von Miller, he'd be kind of a, he's a, he's already rare, but I think he's even rarer for that, for what he's able to bring from a power standpoint for that size in the frame. Not that Ojalari is not strong. I just think that Phillips can do much more for you up front. And I think he's also more uh, scheme diverse, which gives him a bump for me. Um, you know, maybe I, I think Brett Coleman called him JJ Watt. I don't see JJ Watt, but you know, if you're talking to a guy with power player length, and the athleticism that he displayed all in one with the tape that he has um, probably the most, the best arsenal of pass rush moves in this class as well. Um, I don't know if you probably saw my board. I had his name there with a plus for it for like yep. you know, the, the medical red cross. That's the point where like my team doctor says like, ah, man, I don't know. This is scary off my board. Like that's how much we don't know here sitting here, but just purely from the tape he's flagged, but I, I I'd have no issue with him at nine for the talent that he has. And that's, uh, so that, and I just want to, so that's where I'm at with him. Um, I, the people I've talked to, my understanding is, is he's had concussion history dating back to when he was 10 years old. Um, he had four when he was at UCLA and UCLA has a practice where if you have four over your career with UCLA, he's, he's flagged and he can't play. And granted, they're just proactive. So like very well, like again, with Miami, for all we know, he didn't have any, um, I, and again, I'm not a doctor. I got to throw, you know, obviously throw that out there. Uh, I've had concussions and I know from, from my experience that they, they progressively, it's not like they go away. Like the next time I have a concussion, you can tell that you've had concussions before. Like they suck. Um, the other part of it is for Phillips, for me, uh, on top of this, and I think you guys know this, cause I think I brought this up before. Um, he's also had an injury to his wrist. Uh, and he also has had injuries to his ankles. He was involved in a car accident when he was at UCLA. He was on a moped and he got hit by a truck. Um, so like, that's part of it. Um, the other thing for me, and again, like I said, if it wasn't for the, uh, the, the durability type stuff, he would still be my edge too. The reason for this in my mind is a Fangio fit. Um, the way I see Oziz Ajolari is basically he's about as close as you're going to get to a perfect scheme fit for what Fangio wants on his weak side defensive is, is edge. Um, and if you're drafting an edge player in the top 10, you're, you're replacing Von Miller is what you're doing. It's not going to happen in 2021, but you're drafting that guy with the idea that he's going to step in and eventually take over for Von Miller. I see Jalen Phillips is a better fit for what Bradley Chubb does on that side. Um, and again, I do agree with you, Nick, generally power rushers have definitely been better. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Vikings for a long time now that that's what they've prioritized. So I'm actually really curious to see how they approach edge. Um, but for Fangio, like dating back to with the Bears, he tends to have a strong side guy who's essentially it looks like a four three end, and the other side is like a three four edge rusher who can drop in coverage, looks better in space, and I think Ojulari looks better in space. Um, I like the fact that he's twenty years old. He has the best pass rush move of the three, in my opinion, and that obviously Quiddy Pay is he's Ojulari, Jalen Phillips, his cross chop that's NFL ready already. Um, I think he displays like a better feel for when to use his moves. I do think he relies too much on his speed rush. I would like mm -hmm. him to develop a counter. Um, I think he could, again, like in the NFL, he's 20 years old. He can figure that out probably. Um, that's like best case scenario. Um, and I also, the thing with Ojolari is a lot of people get, and I'm not saying you guys, but I've heard 
people get stuck on the fact that he's lighter. Um, I'm not concerned about that at all. Uh, he, he can play into pulling guards, like watches Alabama tape. I know you guys probably have. Um, I'm not, I'm not worried about his power. I think he's, he displays good play strength now. And at 20 years old, three years down the road, he'll probably be pretty damn solid there. I mean, you don't have to sell me. I had Phillips eight and Aziz Ojolari yeah, nine. Yeah. So like, I like him a lot uh, as well. So if, you know, if somebody in the room you're drafting and you're like this guy, this guy, this guy, I'd be like, you know what? Close enough for me. Same bucket. I honestly, and you said the big three edge rushers. I, I do a lot of times tiered and kind of pooled these guys. And if the Broncos, well, I do have Phillips, my edge one, if they traded back to 15, let's say the Patriots traded up and I'll, I'll throw Oa in there as well. I know that he's riskier, but I don't care. I do not care. He moves special and his hip hip flexibility and everything he has is, I mean, I saw it. I was touting him before the season, right? Maybe that's just me being uh, some confirmation bias there and standing my guy. But uh, if they traded back to 15 and one of those edge rushers was left, the big four, I'm including Oa there. I'd have no issue with it. It, and it's about the investment in the edge rusher, making sure you can create pressure with four, drop maximum maximum guys back, and uh, you know making Patrick Mahomes get pressure with four while you don't have to allocate extra rushers to to the uh, create pressure. Yeah, he should. I struggled with him maybe the most out of everybody to place in my rankings, just because he has all the physical traits as you mentioned, right? Everything that you'd be looking for, but zero production. You you just don't see it. Disruptions um, production. I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> very true. I mean, he could very well be Daniil Hunter, right? He could very well do that. But you could also just not take to it. I mean, what gives you hope is that you saw him improve his run defense from one year to the next, yeah. in my eyes. Um, maybe that translates to his pass rush as well. It shows that he's coachable. So, yeah, but that's where I am on him. It, it, he, he was just super tough for me to place in here. My issue with him is I had less tape of him than I had of Pay and Jalen Phillips, and Aziz, I have all of Aziz Ojolari's tape dating back to when he started. I don't have that with OA. Um, so I, I was going off less tape. So I'm, I was building my profile with OA based on what I saw and then also what I've seen other people and then trying to kind of like put it together. Um, I feel pretty good about it. I like where he is. I have questions about what he would do in space, um, but I have questions about how basically all of them play in space other than Jalen Phillips and Aziz Ojolari. I actually don't think Quiddy Pay is a clean scheme fit for Fangio based on that and the fact that I think his best rush has come out of a three-point and a four-point stance. I don't know necessarily if Quiddy Pay is going to be a guy that you want running out of a two-point. Um, and so, again, if the Broncos take him, I could be wrong. Um, I'm definitely open to him. I like his tape a lot. I would just wonder about what that means for how they're going to use him. Um, but with OA... The big thing, I, I do agree with Nick. I think the fact that he was still de- generating a lot of pressure and he was still winning, like getting into the backfield a decent bit. I do think he, ne- he of the four, in my mind, he's the farthest off in terms of like pass rush moves. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely think that he needs to develop that. I think he has the hands to do it. I just don't know if he necessarily like, has a move developed yet. And he, he would need that to succeed in the NFL because he's going to be obviously facing better tackles. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, I, I love – if the Broncos are trading back, I'm praying for one of the top four edge rushers. That's just – that's my think. I think that's the best. Now, granted, we, we don't want to go too far ahead, but 2022 looks like an absolutely incredible edge class. So, I mean, if the Broncos trade up, then, you know, whatever. We'll just get to enjoy those guys while playing for their teams, and hopefully the quarterback will hit. But uh, I don't know. Is that something you factor in, or are you just getting the best guy right now? Because, like I said, I mean, 2022, there's probably three or four guys. Like, this class doesn't have that guy. If Phillips didn't have the injuries, he might be that guy. Next year might have a few of them. 
Yeah. And that's the thing too. Uh, and I mean, I, I honestly, I haven't put a lot of thought into the next year's edge class just because I've been so kind of like tied into the quarterbacks. Um, mm-hmm. but honestly, if you're trading back and there's seeing kind of what happens next year, maybe Locke puts it together. And then all of a sudden you have two first round picks to go get an edge rusher next year. Like I'd be, again, I'm not ruling out Locke. I know a lot of people think that because I hate on him so much, honestly, I just shit post. I, I just love shit posting because it's fun. Um, memes, memes are fun. Who doesn't love a good meme? But, but no, if, if Locke puts it together, having that extra first round pick for, or, you know, second round pick or whatever for trading back, like. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, obviously. I, yeah. I'm a big believer if you're not trading up to get a quarterback and there's an opportunity to trade back to get extra capital in the top 50, top 100, you, like, do it. It's yeah. it's the way to win. Bill Belichick in the mid-2000s. Correct. Uh, so I want to talk about the tackles a little bit just because this tackle class is really fun. Um, and also it's it's interesting because, again, like Juwan James is basically on borrowed time. And I, and I, I, I say that. Maybe he's Bryce Callahan this year. Uh, he comes in after the opt-out and he plays. He's healthy. And we're, we all kind of like, oh, yeah, remember when we made those jokes? Haha, <laughs> joke's on us. Um, but at the same time, he played 65 snaps in 2019. Uh, last year, he didn't play at all. And then his contract, and that's the big thing. Justin Simmons' contract is – I think Justin Simmons' contract is going to play a role in this because Justin Simmons' contract goes from, like, I want to say it's like $5.8 million this year Next year, I want to say it's 18.9. And then on top of that, Garrett Bowles and Juwan James both have their contracts. They're going to be big. And my understanding is talking to a couple of cap guys, even though the TV deal is coming, the cap isn't going to really blow up until 2023. So next year, and that might be one of the reasons actually why Peyton is kind of holding on to cap space is because next year might be a little bit tighter. Um, and Juwan James to me strikes me as the guy you're going to move if you have to move somebody to free up cap space. Um, so for me, I liked Tevin Jenkins. Part of that is based on the fact that Brandon Torm basically identified him as the best fit for the Broncos scheme. When I've watched him, he stands out to me as a powerful, people have been talking about the idea that he might have to move inside, but in the Broncos offense, because they do so much down block kick out, he's doing essentially what he'd be doing if he was a guard in a lot of other offenses anyway. And I'm comfortable enough with what he can do in pass pro to think that he could be able to do that in the Broncos offense. I mean, once he had that over a 33 inch arm length, I, you know, I had my pants were not fitting right for the rest of the day, right? Like, it's a weird thing to say about it, some guy's arm length, but I mean, Jesus Christ, right? So uh, I, I like him a lot. He's an absolute, I, I don't want to go too far down the cliches, but somebody who is, brings a physicality to your offense that, uh, you know, and I, I think we're all pretty much, you know, joke about running backs don't matter. But if you want to invest in an identity, again, an identity piece, and I don't have any issue doing that, Tevin Jenkins absolutely identify or it brings an identity to your offensive line. And I do think he brings that guard versatility as well, which is really important to get in the best five out there. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're talking about inside zone, you're talking about a lot of power schemes, the Mike Munchak fit. Um, I have Slater higher cause I think he's more versatile, a little bit more athletic, but uh, I mean, again, you're talking about what is he? My number 10 overall player, Tevin Jenkins. Yeah. And I've heard that he could go as high as eight Carolina really likes him a lot. Um, so, you know, that, We'll see what happens, but uh, he's a really good player. And once he hit that arm length threshold and the fact that he could play tackle brings him a lot of value. And, you know, some people will be, oh, he's played right tackle. I don't care. You need two good tackles. You know, if you're going to move guys around, left tackle, right tackle, middle tackle, outside tackle. You know, who, I need tackles. I need two good ones. And I think Jenkins can be a really good one in this league. Yeah, totally. I, I, I totally agree with both you guys on Jenkins. He does bring an identity. He's a tough physical guy. I mean, something that's – 
Jawan James, you really have no idea what you're getting out of, right? So the depth behind there is huge. You need that because you really don't. Is he going to be stay healthy for the whole year? And then who's behind him now? It's a bigger need than I think people are giving credit. Oh, I, de- I definitely think. And again, I'm not trying to hate on Kelvin Anderson, but when we watched Kelvin Anderson, and I, I was very optimistic coming in that Kelvin Anderson was going to surprise us. It was not great. Um, and granted, it was early, and he's a young player. You know, he can always get better. But if you have the opportunity to get a guy, I think you can, should go get that guy. And like you guys both said, I think Jenkins would just – he'd elevate the run game in a way that people would have to deal with that. Like you, you'd have to game plan around the fact that the Broncos have two tackles that they can basically protect the pocket. And if they're going to run that power scheme and run pin and pull at you, it's going to be a pain in the ass. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, so one one other player, kind of moving down a little bit farther now. Um, you mentioned Horn briefly, and you guys are both a little bit higher on Horn than I am. I have him at sixteen. Uh, Nick, you have him at twelve, and Jerry, you have him at fifteen. So you and I are pretty close. Uh, the big issue I like Horn a lot. The big issue I have with Horn is I have bigger concerns about him playing off than I do with Sertan. Uh, and the fact is, and, they, and I, I've been annoying with this. I've mentioned this on Twitter a few times. The fact that both Sertan and Horn didn't do lateral agility drills for their pro day, to me, that's a pretty nor- – it's a notable flag in my mind because agents are smart. If a guy isn't going to test well in those areas, he's going to say, don't do it. Somebody should have told Eric Stokes' his agent. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think for me the biggest reason I have Horn over him is uh, I see a little bit more twitch and I see more ball skills. And this is a defense that is desperate for the ability to take away the football. And obviously you have Justin Simmons out there, but if I can get a guy that has some ball skills out there and can get the ball the other way, you know, rather than the Broncos being a team that's leading the league or close to it in uh, giveaways, we need to get some takeaways. And that was just, you know, I like, I like, I don't love Sertan and Horn enough. And the ball skills was enough of a factor where I was like, okay, I got to give, I got to give the jump to Horn because take the ball away you have to be able to do that, right? That's almost more important than I hear people. Oh, Fangio defense, giving up so many yards, blah, blah, blah. Yards don't equal points. Red zones, exactly. if you hold them to threes, take the ball away. We're in business. Broncos haven't done, they've done a good job holding teams to three, but they need to get more turnovers. Totally. And I, I, I agree with both of you. See, like I'm more, more than even Sertan or Horn. I'm more of a Newsom guy than both. I like That's, Newsom. I, we're going to get there. I wanted to ask you about that because you actually have Newsom higher than Horn. Yeah, I, I totally do. Um, he, he's just the he's the best scheme fit to me, and I don't think it's close out of those guys. Um, he's awesome in off coverage. Yes. Uh, he's awesome in it. You just don't see guys at six one with the fluidity and his click and close and all of that. But while still playing true to his size, he still plays like a six one corner at the uh, at the at the catch point and stuff. So I, he he's my favorite corner in this draft. No, I think that's fair. I, again, this is another one of those things where I don't have as much Northwestern tape as you might. Uh, what I've seen of him, I like him a lot. Uh, 
I just he's one of those guys that if I could get him as a trade back, I want to get him a trade back. I don't want to take him at nine. And because of that, that's that's why I don't have him up higher. Uh, one thing about him that I do know based on talking to sports info solutions is he's had, and I, and I didn't know this based on like what I've done before. Uh, so I don't know if you guys do is he did get nicked up a decent bit in college. Like, yep. and, it, and it tends yep. to be small stuff, but that is, and again, he played through it mostly. So like, I'm not too, too concerned, but it is something you I, like, I try and keep in mind. Um, but again, plays, plays off. He's physical. He, like he's a Fangio fit. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yep, you, you touched on it. It's the injuries. Uh, missed eight games his freshman year, um, or 2018. He missed three games in 2019 and missed three games in 2020. A uh, good scheme fit, but I think the injuries have zapped him a little bit. His, he did not look the same in uh, 2019 as he did in 2020. Is that the injury? Did he take a big jump? I don't know. I don't know the guy personally. So that's something you'd want to tease out when you get to interview him. But uh, my cornerback three would have been my cornerback four if not for uh, Caleb Farley. And I do agree that he's a better scheme fit, but uh, I had somebody talking to somebody a little bit smarter than myself. say, you know what? We're talking about the off ball. That is important. But if it is a good player, look what uh, Fangio did with Prince of Mukamara during those peak barrier years. You know, he can work with boundary uh, press if the guy is talented enough. So I would not want any of them at nine, but if you trade back and it really, I just give me the better player at that point. But I agree with you. If, if Newsom didn't have the injuries, he'd be right up there with those three. So or two. We've all kind of mentioned Farley a couple times, so I want to touch on Farley, even though, again, he's not as high on the board for, I think, any of us. Um, Nick, you have him at 17. Or no, JR, you have him at 17, sorry. Nick and I both have him at 18, so again, we're right in the same ballpark. Big thing for me, and we touched on, is the injury. Uh, The fact that he, he didn't play last year, still wasn't able to work out because of the back. I know it got cleared at the recheck, but we didn't get to see him work out. We haven't seen him play football since 2019. And even though that football was really good, it's a big question mark. Um, I would still take him in the first round in a trade back just because of the fifth year option. If you, if your team doctors check that out and he's clear, I'm on board, but I don't know it. And so I treated it as he's like a bottom of the first round in terms of like the value for me. Again, if the Broncos felt so comfortable, they took him at nine. I'm praying that they're right. Uh, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. He's somebody where if you trade back and you get extra capital, then, uh, and you want to be like, you know what? We're picking at 20 fairly is our highest rated cornerback. If not for the injuries, we're probably not going to need him this year. Anyway, it's a valuable position, something that we need in 2022 for sure. Uh, that's good process. You know, that's, that's, that's how you play the board. That's how you play the long-term game. Um, but it's those injuries are concerning. The fact that this was so late, like did something happen? Is this something that we knew was going to come down the tracks? You didn't play last year. Why wasn't this an, uh, surgery that was done well after the 2019 season? Also, he's a little bit older for being a cornerback prospect in this class. I think he's going to be, um, let me look at it right here. I thought going to be 23 before next season starts, which for a raw or a cornerback prospect is a little bit of a concern, right? They kind of fall off the map at age 30. So there's enough there where it's like, okay, well, uh, I still think he's extremely talented. That athleticism is standalone from the cornerbacks in this class, from the fluidity, the click and close at the size. You know, there's nobody who moves like him in this class. I remember I got flashbacks of Marshawn Lattimore. The first time I saw Lattimore wearing that number two for Ohio State, I'm like, this cat moves different for how big he is. Like, that's a special looking dude. Um, so uh, picking at 20, 22, if, you, if he's there, swing away. But uh, the injuries are concerning. I, I just think he's such a supreme talent that if you can get extra picks, you're playing with house money at that point, And I would be fine with the risk there 
I think, and I guess we all are fine with that risk there, uh, the trading back and getting him down there. Totally. Yeah. I think what's lost in this whole thing, when you start to rank the players and stuff and start to release it to people. And part of the reason I don't include the injuries in my rankings much, except for when it's clear, like Farley is because people, people get lost in it. They just think, okay, you're ranking the yep. one through whatever players you're not, uh, the talent, like, oh, he's the fifth best corner, right? When it's not necessarily the case for a guy like Farley, he has a chance to be the most scheme versatile. He has a chance, he has the highest ceiling, all of that. So, yeah, if you can trade back and get extra capital for him, I'm all for it, if he checks out with the doctors. That's actually one reason why when I first make my board, I actually really like to do it from the horizontal board perspective, where it's just ballpark first-round guys, and then I start to stack them from there. But I'm not necessarily trying to stack quarterbacks versus receivers versus whatever. Um, people don't necessarily care about that though, which sucks because you have to present it kind of in the vertical board and granted, obviously you're doing a draft in a vertical board stamp. Like you're not, you're not you kind of have to do it that way, but, but I do agree with you. And one of the things this happened to me last year, somebody will go and they'll check and they'd be like, Oh, well, KJ Hamler wasn't your top guy. So you must hate him. It's like, no, like I still like he's in the ballpark. Like I'm happy with it. I just, he wasn't my first choice, but that's how it goes. Uh, one, one player, and this is one that we're kind of like, Nick is significantly lower on, so this is why I kind of want to bring this guy up. Uh, Trayvon Morig. Uh, I'm a big fan of Trayvon Morig. Uh, and I also understand that I think you and I, Nick, are kind of far apart on how we view safety. Mm-hmm. So that might be a big part of this. Um, I think in the Fangio defense, the safety is important enough that I would, if, if again, not my top choice at nine, but if you had to take that, if you had to take him at nine or risk losing him altogether, I could, I could deal with it. Um, I have quite a few players ahead of him, but I do see him as a first round player. Um, I, I do like this safety class, but I just think Morig is, he's head and shoulders above the other players. And he also brings range that you're not going to get from most other safeties in this class that also fit Fangio's defense. Yeah, it's, it definitely comes down to the positional value for me. I mean, you talk about a position that Vic Fangio and a lot of guys historically, it's a position the NFL does not typically evaluate very well. Um, a lot of times you can find your guys day two, even some day three. Um, and typically it's the safeties that are like the no doubt physical specimens that are the guys that are the safest to get. No, it's not true for every position. And obviously, oh, duh, better half like gets hit. But um, also closer to the line of scrimmage, typically easier to evaluate that guy. So um, more I like, um, but I, I like a lot of other safeties later as well. I think you can get better value later on as well. Um, and also, ugh, this is not the best safety class, right? And I just have a hard time putting Morig that high when uh, the historical context for guys that I put that high. Like, I don't see Mika Fitzpatrick. I don't see Derwin James. Would Derwin James be a scheme fit? That's another conversation entirely. I don't see um, if, like, let's say, I don't know how much Notre Dame you guys have watched this year, or obviously we've watched Jeremiah Usakoromoa, but like Kyle Hamilton, He's not Kyle Hamilton, right? So I'm not going to put him up there. Like that's a, that's a difference maker at the safety position. I see Morig as a good safety, but I'm not spending a first round pick on a good safety. I need like something pretty darn special to put that first round stamp on the position of safety. Yeah, see, Morig is one of those guys for me where I would feel more comfortable. I'm not taking him early in the draft. I'm taking him after either a really big trade down and I just want that fifth year option on him or I'm trading back up into the first round. Um, he's one of those type of guys for me. No, I think that's fair. Uh, and, and obviously in an ideal world, that's what I would do. Um, cause I don't think the value is there to take him to the top 10 by any means. 
Um, I have him at 14 and I know I'm the highest on him. Um, but that's how I view it. It's just when I looked at him versus JOK, I prefer him. And that's kind of, I, I forgot to ask you guys that, but that's kind of how I build my board is I, I run a lot of mocks near the, like once I start doing this and essentially what I do is I just, I make myself all 32 teams and then I say, well, if I was the first pick and who I, I had a choice of anybody, who would I take? And then I work my way down thinking about what the, what I would do with the Broncos based on what's available. And I liked mm-hmm. Morig more than basically the guys below him just for, because I had more questions about other guys below him. Um, and the next guy on my board was JLK. And I was going to actually ask you guys about him. I don't see a scheme fit. And that's my biggest concern with JLK. Uh, I, I, I think the Broncos play enough nickel and dime that you would be able to make use of him. I think in an ideal world, he is either playing a strong safety type role in a Seattle type of defense where he's essentially Derwin James esque, or he's playing like a will linebacker in a four, three where he's just run and hit. Um, he's, I, I believe he would be pretty miscast in a three, four in the base defense. Uh, but the Broncos looked at Patrick queen last year, who is dealing with the issues that I think JOK would deal with maybe not on the same level, but they're there. Uh, and they did look at, uh, Joe Schobert, Joe Schobert is weak at the point of attack. And I think JOK is going to be better than Joe Schobert is. So the fact that they did sniff around Joe Schobert last year, to me, signals that Fangio would be willing to, to concede that a little bit. It's a passing league, right? I definitely have the scheme concerns too, but uh, if you're going to get him out there and especially in the AFC West, where you have four games a year versus Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, you need to bring some athleticism and coverage ability to that second level. If you're going to compete now. I don't want to be that guy, but like, doesn't matter if the quarterback's not great. You know, it all roads lead back to that. But uh, I, I definitely understand the the concerns there. But I mean, I think Vic Fangio is a good enough coach where he's adapt or die, right? And he's been an innovator for a while. And if you can get a guy like this, where you you asking Vic Fangio to innovate, like that's I have less worries for that. And if Vic Fangio came to me and said I wanted that guy, great. Like that's something we don't know. So uh, from where we sit, I definitely understand the projection concerns. I mean, there's a reason I have him at 26 on my board versus Morig at 28. Um, I just value uh, what um, JOK does more and uh, the the ability to play um, and get an athletic boost to that second level with how many short drops, uh, short drop zones there are and how much uh, the Broncos have struggled covering over the hash marks um, over the last few seasons. If you can get a guy there, maybe it's a little bit of a luxury pick, but I mean, what else does this defense really have that they can really take it to that next level? They paid Mark Barron this year. Um, obviously, that didn't work out. But, you know, like you said, Joe Schobert, they've been sniffing around for that. If that's something Vic Fangio says, you know, even if it is a luxury, if you want to be able to slow down the likes of the Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey, it might make sense, especially with a trade down. But I, I definitely hear the the fit and the luxury uh, category that a JOK would be with how Vic Fangio has deployed his defenses historically. Yeah, no, totally. I, To me, like you were saying, if you just bring one of these smaller guys in, athletic, he brings coverage and stuff like that. And when I look deeper into the draft and I see people considering some of these other guys, a lot of these linebackers that we're considering deeper in the draft aren't great in the run either. So it's like, it's like if, if I can get the elite coverage guy, I mean, that's, a, that's the better option for me. Yeah, and that's the, the other reason why I have him below – uh, Morig in my mind is I think the gap between Morig and the next safety on my board, like where I'm at with him is bigger than where I am with JOK versus the next linebacker that I think fits that same type because, and, and we'll get, 
I, this is actually kind of a good segue into the, the rest of the linebackers. Because the Broncos are facing the situation where Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell are both going to be unrestricted free agents, they could go a number of directions at linebacker this year. And we lump it all together under the umbrella linebacker. But in all honesty, last year, the Broncos were looking for a will. They were looking for a weak side guy who could play coverage. And then they were going to shift Alexander Johnson into a mic role. Uh, and that's essentially what happened this year with Josie Jewell taking that spot. Obviously, Josie Jewell played better than I think everybody hoped, uh, realistically, except for like the most ardent Hawkeye fans. Like, I don't want to, you know, offend anybody. But, mm-hmm. but, but I think in like an ideal world, like most people still realize that the Broncos could definitely upgrade that spot. Um, I just think that there's enough guys who do what JOK can do to some degree, maybe not quite as high, that I wouldn't want to take him in the first round if I can find another guy. That said, if Fangio was on the board and that's who he wanted, I, I could I could deal with it. Um, yeah, but, I mean, how often do the, how often do the Broncos use linebackers in man coverage, right? Like that's how how much more valuable is that? I'd rather get a guy with a little bit more length, and you know, I don't have the questions about him in the box. That's why I have Davis and Browning rated slightly higher, and I don't even know what I have on my positional rankings here. I just have positional rank next to JOK three question marks. Cause I don't know where to categorize him. That's kind of hard to do with safeties in general uh, in today's NFL, but uh, I'd rather, you know, again, you're not really using man coverage with the linebackers that often give me the guy with a little bit more length. that can do those short drop zones. So let's, let's move from this to Micah Parsons then, because I think Micah mm-hmm. Parsons is a guy that he's a hot topic because I think a lot of Broncos fans see the fact that like, see what he can do, see how freaky he is see the fact that the Broncos could definitely use a linebacker and they're happy with taking him at nine. If the Broncos take him at nine, they took him at nine. I definitely see the upside. Uh, I have too many concerns. Like, as I mentioned with the injury questions with Jalen Phillips, the off field stuff for me is a huge question mark. I don't get the opportunity to interview him. I don't get the opportunity to bet all those things against the coaching staff, people that know him. I don't get to do any of the background stuff. And instead of instead of putting him up at where I, his talent kind of looks like and just saying, well, that, that isn't a concern. I'll just deal with it. I'm pretty low on him for that reason. Um, I also don't like the positional value for me is a huge thing as well. So those are the two reasons why I have him. I want to say at 19 is where I have him. The only player I have in the first round board up below him is Mac Jones. Well, I got him 30. So got your beat. Tongue out emoji. Um, I mean, you hit it. It's. There's enough questions on tape. You obviously see the athleticism, but there are other linebackers and the stuff I've heard is concerning enough. And I was burned. I absolutely adored Malik McDowell coming out and everyone's like, Oh, this guy's a head case. You know, he doesn't get in a fight with players and coaches and he'll be out of the league before his rookie contract. I don't even know if he played a single snap in the NFL. I didn't care. Top five talent. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I needed that guy. And, uh, Learn my lesson, I guess. Um, and there's just, there's other good players. I don't need to take that guy. How much, let's say Micah Parsons hit. How much of a difference maker is that actually going to be for your team? And what are the odds of that versus him, you know, blowing up and being a wasted first round pick when there's other available linebackers and a good top 100 of this class, you know, it's just the risk reward of it doesn't line up. And even if he hits, I'm good for him. I'll let somebody else take that risk. Totally. I also think Parsons just as the prospect. It's, I mean, Joe alluded to earlier, the Broncos are looking for a will linebacker that can cover. With Parsons, it feels like you're adding on to something you already have. Like, you're just already getting a better version. So, I don't know. I feel like there's better coverage guys later in the draft. Browning, uh, Jameen Davis, all those guys. I think Micah Parsons, if you draft him, essentially what happens is this year you put him on the field because it's a best player type of situation. 
Uh, basically, you're drafting him to replace Alexander Johnson. I don't think you're drafting him to play next to Alexander Johnson for the next 10 years or five years, you know, however long. Um, and so, again, for me, if I'm taking a top 10 guy, I would rather – I'd rather not. Uh, and that also, I do think that – under Fangio, I think Baron Browning can essentially give you – down the road, I think he can give you 90% of what you're going to get with Micah Parsons. And odds are he's not going to cost you a first-round pick. Yeah, his evaluation's all over the board, isn't it? I've seen you know, oh, yeah. three. I've seen the back end of the first round. Um, I get that he was very utilized in many different positions at Ohio State, so that never really led him to look comfortable out there. I guess there have been some questions about you know, the ability to process everything, but you see the athleticism, you see the just natural coverage ability. I mean, out there playing one-on-ones at the senior bowl with his size and movement. I mean, how often is he actually going to be in that situation? And he was sticking with guys pretty darn well. Um, so, and again, the ability to come downhill with force, violence, length, size um, in those short drop zones. I mean, that's, that's a great scheme fit. You're not going to ask him to reinvent the wheel, right? Like it's not, you're not going to line him one-on-one versus Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, if you don't have this tight end stopper, everything's going to collapse. Like that's, not really how the defense is working here. It's a collective. Um, so if you can get that guy there, I, I'm I'm more about it. I'm not as high on I, – I, I'm just curious. Joey, how high is Davis on your board? Because I, he is my linebacker when I had them, you know, Browning and Davis neck and neck because I like them both as scheme fits, the athletic upside. Davis had the combine where, you know, he jumped up for me. But is, did he right. make your top 20? Yeah, he's like 18 for me. 18, all right. Well, I'm not too far off. I got him at 21, but I was just curious since you've been uh, – standing on a few tables for him uh, over this and, draft process. And and I want to, and I want to be clear because you were on him before the pro day. So this oh, right. is not, this is not a pro day overreaction by any means from you. So I would like to know kind of like where you're at with Davis. Uh, I like him. I don't have him at 18, but I do like him. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I see, I see just as an athletic, maybe not as athletic as Parsons, but just right there with Parsons. But just a better football player. I like him better in coverage. His length disrupts a lot of things. Um, I mean, obviously, we only saw the one-year sample size of him as a starter, which is concerning because it kind yeah. of – why? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So, but And it kind of carried over to um, this season. He looked a little raw in reading what's in front of him. But also, I thought he was better than he should have been for a one-year starter. So that intrigues me. Um, I, I, I just really like him, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I do too. And one of the things I like about him compared to the other coverage backers is the fact that he has that size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because again, like I, I'm, I actually like Jabril Cox more than him. But the big problem with Jabril Cox is, is he's probably never going to be a plus run defender. He's at best probably going to be a run defender you can survive. Uh, I just like what he can do in coverage enough that I would sacrifice that. Um, but again, if he, if they took Jamie uh, Jamie Davis over him, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is why wasn't he playing at Alabama or at uh, Kentucky? It wasn't like it was Alabama, right? Like he playing Kentucky. Not that Kentucky, they've had some solid defensive prospects over the years. You know, not to take anything away. That's been an up and coming, solid SEC program. But uh, why hasn't he been playing for the, the caliber athlete that he is? That I don't have the information there. That is probably my first question. Where have you been? Because that size, that athleticism, was it a weight room thing? Was it an intelligence thing? Was it a grades thing? I don't know. But that's that's worth pondering because. Man, he just moves different, right? He's just when you see him on tape, it's like, okay, identify the prospect here. Who's the guy that my eye gravitates towards? A lot of times it's Davis when you're walking watching Kentucky. Yeah, and I'm lo- 
doing doing a quick look, and I don't have any sort of reason for why he wasn't. Uh, so that is a question mark. Um, but again, like that's what I saw. I like, and I don't have any sort of character questions with him that I know of. I don't see any sort of real big durability questions. So I have him as my LB four. I want to say I don't have the board. I don't have that board right in front of me, but I have a JOK cause he's an LB. I have Michael Parsons and then I have Jabril Cox as my third and then Jameen Davis, but Jameen Davis and Jabril Cox and then Zayvon Collins on my board are all basically like right in the same like back to back to back because I, I I'm splitting hairs between them. Um, I like what Jameen Davis and Jabril Cox can do in coverage a little bit more than Collins. Um, I, and this is a whole thing. This is not, not to get too far into the weeds. My problem with Zayvon Collins is essentially I see a big linebacker and I keep waiting for him to play like a big linebacker. Like he, mm-hmm. he looks like a 230 ish, 240 ish pound guy when he moves and he moves pretty well. But he's not the most athletic. Like Michael Parsons, Baron Browning are definitely faster than him and definitely more explosive than him. And he's physical, but he's not so physical that it's like, oh, he's 260 pounds. He's a freak. Like you watch Alexander Johnson. Alexander Johnson, the way he hits somebody, he brings pain when he drops on somebody. Zayvon Collins in my like what I've seen, I don't get that vibe from him. And granted, maybe, maybe he just needs a coach to unlock it. He was at Tulsa, but I'm not taking like first round to me is very rich. And when it comes down to it, when I'm looking at those three players, I just I I can't in good conscience pick Zayvon Collins over the other two. So I have him right back to back to back. Yeah, it, he's weird because if I'm looking for a fast coverage guy, I like other fast coverage guys. If I'm looking for big athletic or big run stopping linebacker, there's other guys I like too. So he's kind of playing this weird in between thing, and I totally agree with you that round one is a little rich for me. Yeah, I mean, just sometimes play to your size, buddy, right? Like, come down and you're big, be big. Uh, maybe that's something where you see somebody, you're expecting something, and then they're not that, and it kind of makes you, you – your brain does a trick, and you rate them lower because you had higher expectations just based on the frame. But uh, I do have some questions there. Now, granted, he went to a small school, Tulsa. There is obviously the length there, and length does matter for the zone coverage. The ability to drop that does matter in this defense, especially in the red zone. Um, but, like, how much of an upgrade is he – off of a, you know, an Alexander Johnson, right? You know, for the size. Are you playing him, Will or Mike? I honestly don't know what, how Tulsa is playing him. They're playing him so far back on a lot of these alignments. But uh, I don't know. I just kind of have he's – he's an interesting one. I just wish he played with more physicality and just played, you know, go hit someone. It's football, go hit someone. And, and the other thing for me with him was that I see him kind of like Parsons where I think he's ideally the replacement for Alexander Johnson. But the, the question I have about the physicality to me – makes him feel like a better fit at the will next to him. So it just, it becomes one of those things. I do know that based yeah. on what I've seen, like he definitely communicates. He's one of those guys. He's a leader on defense. So again, if the Broncos take him over the other guys, like I'm not going to be upset by any means. They just, they value that differently than I do. Yeah. And I will say that you have Cox pretty high. I don't know if Cox didn't make my top 40. Co- Cox um, is one of my guys. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what she said. Um, but uh, that's, I had to shoot. Um, I like him a lot, a little bit older prospect. I don't have his exact age hold, uh, written down here. I think he's maybe going to be 24 looking for it. Yeah. He's, uh, he's going to be 23 this season. He'll be 24 almost a year from now. Um, so a little bit older, he's good in coverage. I feel like he's very fluid, but he's not very explosive. Does he do Am I watching that? Sometimes I feel like he'll flip his hips and I'm just like, okay, now go. And it's just kind of the slow, like, come on, where's that click and close? So I like him a lot. I think he's a very safe player. 
Um, I think he's the A version of what you're getting from Stranod, right? Like that, ideally, that's kind of what you're hoping from for Stranod, like the A version to Stranod being a B. Um, but I was just hoping for a little bit more explosiveness from his game, and I just didn't. I didn't see that. The big concern I have for him is just his his run fits. And again, I I yeah. Best case scenario, he becomes a solid run defender, and that's might be a long shot. So it's one of those things where you might just always have to deal with it. I think the fact that he's he's a little bit undersized. I don't think he's necessarily has the frame to become bigger or stronger. I, so I just think that's one of those things. That's why he's actually where he is and not higher on my board. I just really value a linebacker who can actually play, essentially play slot if he has to. Um, the fact that the Broncos were moving to more dime last year, and they mentioned that they wanted to last off season. Cox is the guy that would give you the ability to do that without having to put another DB on the field. Um, he can cover tight ends. He can cover running backs. Granted, he's going to have a little bit of a height mismatch against some of the better tight ends who can also run, but but he's going to be able to give you somebody who can cover them, and he can also cover some slot receivers. So if you want to bring out essentially a dime personnel with Cox following somebody out into coverage, I think you can live with that, and if you want to use him in man coverage, I think you you wouldn't suffer for it, and there's not a lot of other linebackers in this class who can play man like he can, or even close. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on where you categorize uh, JOK, but yeah, uh, I hear you. Yeah, totally. Uh, so for me, so again, I, I mentioned this. I only have twenty players in my first round. I that is the least I have done the last couple of years. I've done this for my high report. Um, I did not add any receivers. I do not have any. So I do not have Vera Tucker just because the things I've seen, and I haven't watched a lot of Vera Tucker. He looks like either a zone fit or he looks like a guard um, to me. And I don't think he's necessarily a clean fit for the Broncos. You guys might disagree. Um, I'm definitely interested to hear what you guys have to say about him if you do. Um, but uh, And then especially, Nick, I know you have receivers on your board. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to kind of pick your brain on that if you don't mind. I mean, at some point, a guy's too talented to pass, right? Like if you if the Broncos are sitting there and I have Jamar Chase 11, right? Like, I'm not going to pass on the Broncos that might have an X need next year, right? If Jamar yeah. Chase is sitting there as your best player, you know, body da. I'm looking at these guys, they're seeds, right? You plant them and you're hoping to harvest two, three years from now. And I want the best quality seeds possible. So if I have Jamar Chase ranked significantly higher than somebody, I'm going to take them. I just, I couldn't leave them off my board. However, it's kind of like ranking Trevor Lawrence on your board, right? You're just doing it in practice. He's not going to yeah. be there, but he's still up there at number one, or even Zach Wilson at this point, considering all the talk with the board or I'll talk with the draft. So it's more process than anything. Um, I really like uh, Waddle as well. You know, like the, the Broncos too. traded down to 22 and Jalen Waddle was there. Cool. Like if he's your best guy. Awesome. I know there'll be people all over Twitter going absolutely freaking nuts. But if I got the best receiver in this class and somebody who can be a space mismatch and a box number dictator, great. We have another tool to play with and hopefully the team got that much better. So had to throw those guys in there. Um, I do have Smith lower at a 20 and I only ranked those three in my top 40. I do Rashad Bateman, man. He's shrunk like four, four inches since he came out of high school, I guess. <laughs> Keeps small, uh, getting smaller and smaller. Um, but I like all those guys a lot. I think at some point they are too talented to not take, even if you have other needs. Um, and that same thing with Elijah Vera Tucker. I have him at uh, 25. I agree with you. I think he's probably an inside player. He's probably better in zone, but at some point, too talented. I don't care. He'll, he won't be there probably unless there's some injury or something that, and that would knock him down my board as well, based on the information I have. Um, so just, just too talented not to include. I feel like it'd be malpractice not to slot them in there somewhere. Cause there's a reality where it's like, well, the heck like he's my best guy 
I'm going to take him. That's fair. Yeah, totally. I, I, I was with Joe. I didn't know where to put these receivers. I haven't even gotten really too far into the receivers. Same. Game, as you know, in the situation. Um, I just, it, as you were saying earlier, I just don't see how the Broncos are going to take one in the first round. I'm going through this problem where I don't know where to start putting receivers on the board because, yeah, yeah. because this receiver class is so deep. And you look at Peyton's history with the Vikings, they take receivers. Like they, they prioritize making sure that they have guys in the pipeline. And as Nick said, like with the questions about three receivers on the current roster, it does make sense to kind of plant a seed and let that guy kind of sit for a year. The problem is there's basically no path to playing time unless there's a, a complete plague of injuries this year. And if you draft a guy that you basically have to put on the roster, you, you already have five guys and then you have Deontay Spencer. So you're essentially carrying a seventh receiver that'll probably be a red shirt. So I, I just, I don't know what to do right now with it. Um, it's one of those things like I'm probably going to decide the week before the draft and just be like, Oh shit, I got to put receivers on the board somewhere. And then I'm just going to start throwing them all on there. Um, but I haven't done a lot of work on them. So that'll be one of those things where it's a lot based on what other people that I respect's views on them, because I've tried to prioritize with like with the film I've watched, I try to prioritize the positions I know the Broncos will be looking at. Yeah. And I mean, there's also a chance that somebody like Tim Patrick or Deshaun Hamilton could be traded beforehand to make room and Uh, uh, change the cost controlled guys and how that room is structured. So definitely never know. Um, And back before the allegations were like obviously surfaced against Deshaun Watson, I was really kind of considering the fact that we're probably sleeping on receiver just because there was a distinct possibility that one of the guys was going to get traded. Same with Bradley Chubb back then. I was a lot more open to the idea of drafting a guy that may actually end up stepping into the Bradley Chubb role. It obviously, and again, no one knows at this point, I'm not trying to say one way or the other, but it does not look like the Broncos are going to be trading players off the roster. If they do end up eventually deciding to trade for Deshaun Watson. So for, again, that's just where I'm at with it. Um, One other thing, I guess we got to talk about Mac Jones just because he's the one quarterback that was not in that top part. Obviously, it's a distinct possibility that he actually is the guy at nine. First of all, how would you feel if the Broncos took Mac Jones at nine? Uh, disappointed. Um, understanding and uh, knowing that the room should have gotten better in the very least, which is good because an incremental improvement in the quarterback room it can pay you know two or three wins difference. Um, and the fact that you're resetting the quarterback clock means that you can do flexible things without the roster. I just... I don't see Mac being a guy where his ceiling is a quarterback that you want to pay a second contract. And I'm not drafting quarterbacks like running backs where it's like, you know, I'm drafting them for their first four years, five years, excuse me, dogs underneath me here. Um, I'm not doing the drafting them for their first contract, right? It's a position where you're drafting thinking 10, 15 years, ideally. Now, obviously it doesn't always work out that way. A lot of people would point out to all these quarterbacks drafted recently on different teams. Now, you know, that, Stuff happens. These players are being moved more than they ever have. And maybe that's another reason that you should take a shot because you're not married to a guy like a, if you drafted a Sam Bradford contract, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's that's the biggest thing for me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. I obviously don't have him very high up on my board. I feel kind of disappointed. I think I have him at 21. So um, my thing is, I would like the the process of them drafting a quarterback. They're clearly in the right mindset there of going and getting one. And maybe they just like Mac Jones more than I do. It could just come down to that, right? They could think he's the franchise guy. Um, so me personally, I wouldn't be a fan of him, a fan of it. I'm just not the biggest Mac Jones guy, but I do like it from the team perspective thinking, okay, we do need to go get uh, our next quarterback. What's interesting to me about Mac Jones, uh, and I talked to – uh, expand the box score, Cyril Penn about it. And he works for the 33rd team as well. And as part of the 33rd team, like he gets to do a bunch of different conference calls with guys that have either been in the NFL or who are kind of like on the periphery of the NFL. And he's talked to different scouts, stuff like that. Like the, first of all, like the Mac Jones love, apparently it's very real, like in the NFL, like apparently NFL teams are very, very high on the fact that he throws with anticipation the way he does, just because that's one of those things that's so hard to like get a guy to that level to be able to read a guy getting open like that. I agree with you. I, I have him 20th on my board. He is the last first round pick just because I felt like positional value is at quarterback is obviously so skewed towards them that if you're going to draft him, you have to probably get him in the first round. Like you're not going to be able to get him at the second at this point. Um, and I think that fifth year option on him, if you draft him and he pans out, getting that extra year to be able to figure out, is he really a guy we want to give a hundred million plus uh, contract to? I think that's important. Uh, I do think that he's a very clean fit for the Pat Shermer offense. I don't necessarily think you should draft a franchise quarterback based entirely on the scheme fit with the offensive coordinator that may or may not be on your staff next year. But I could, I can see why they would possibly do it. Um, and again, like one of the hardest things I have found with Mac Jones is everything we have heard about him. Like a big part of like the draw to teams is the intangibles. We don't get to see that. You can see parts of like what he means to his team based on like what he does pre-snap, stuff like that. But we're not in the room with him. You don't get to see him on a chalkboard. You don't get to see how guys like react to him in the locker room. Um, so like I have trouble with that. And that's why he's down as low as he is. I, I when I made my board, I kept going back and forth on this is if the Broncos draft him, they're gonna draft him at nine. They're not gonna trade down and draft him. Like mm-hmm. you don't do that with a quarterback unless it's Drew Locke. <laughs> but I, I do think that there's better players to take than Mac Jones. I, I honestly think I would prefer the Broncos roll with Drew Locke for another year, do what they can to get picks to take somebody in the next year's class, even though I am pretty skeptical of next year's class right now. Um, Kind of moving out of there, is there any guys that we didn't talk about that you – like that are your guys that we need to talk about? Because I, I'm trying to kind of – I know I'm, I'm trying, I'm stealing a lot of your time and I'm trying to be aware of that. I'm trying to be conscious of it. I also enjoy talking with you guys. This has been fun. Uh, mm-hmm. but, is, but is there any guys that I've kind of like, we skipped through or didn't go over enough that you guys want to talk about? Did anybody else rank bear, uh, Bearmore in their top 40? Cause I know the Broncos interior defensive line. I mean, they just invested capital in a regime. Draymond Jones is an ascending player, brought Shelby Harris back. Mike Purcell's paid, but, uh, you know, we saw, I think, I don't know if you guys watched a bunch of Vikings last year, but that interior defensive line completely derailed that team because they just, they couldn't stop anybody. So um, I'm curious if you have thoughts on, maybe you like Ozuruke, Ozuruke better um, mm-hmm. over at Washington, but uh, Barmore, I think he is special enough where he did make my top 40, even though the Broncos don't really have a need 
on the interior defensive line just because it's a position. It's an investment position, right? I'm drafting him for what he's going to be doing the second half of 2022, 2023, even as a first-round pick. And he came out at uh, 23 on my board. I, or, excuse me, Barmore. 22 on my board. I don't care if he's a rotational player year one or even halfway through next year. I think the talent's enough. And if I can get a – essentially anybody I can get on the front four that is somebody you cannot stop one-on-one – I'm going to value high because I think that is the straw that stirs any defense's drink. Yeah. And in year one, he may be better in a rotational role, right? I don't think he's ready to be that run stopping up interior um, guy. So I think I wouldn't mind him at 40 at all. If you could just give him rotational reps as a pass rusher, because I think that's where he's special. And that's uh, before free agency. I actually had him on my first round board. Uh, I slid him down just because the Broncos restructured Mike Purcell's contract. They brought back Shelby Harris um, so he's he's actually 22 on my board, but I yep. but but ideally, if, and again, he won't be there at 40 because I do think positional scarcity of the defensive line class is going to end up pushing him up. But if for whatever reason he fell to 40, I would definitely be happy with it. I only have one player on my second, and again, anybody on my first round board if they're there at 40, obviously would be higher. But in terms of the second round board, uh, I only have Asante Samuel Jr. higher than him. So if for whatever reason Barmore was there at 40, I definitely could see it. The big concerns I have with him is the fact that at Nick's like with Nick Saban, he was still a rotational guy. He only played 40 ish percent of the snaps at Alabama each season. They didn't push him up. And part of that's okay. There's a lot of talent, but the, the way they did it, they were trying to protect him from running downs. And that does concern me a little bit. His workouts weren't quite as good as I was hoping for. It's not the end of the world, but, I, but it is a concern. Um, and that's, those are the reasons why I would not take him the first round if I didn't absolutely have to. And they don't. Yeah, he'd be more like, let's say you traded down and you're picking 24 because yeah. you made two trades down or something. Okay, we're investing in this now. We really want this to be a strength. We refuse to have the interior defensive line become a weakness. Great. Awesome. You have many different directions you can go. Just honestly, don't do running back. Right. I'd rather take them do Barmore before going running back. Did anybody have uh, running back make their top 40? Or did everybody, or where, where do we have uh, yeah. the big big two, big three, whatever you want to categorize? So I have Javante Williams as my RB1. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Javante Williams, I don't do the whole like, oh, they're special, but the way Javante Williams breaks contact is about as good as you're going to expect from a, from a prospect coming out. I like the fact that he played in a scheme that clearly fits into what the Broncos are going to do in terms of their pin and pull, their power plays. Um, I like the fact that he can pass block decently and he actually gives you a viable passing option. I do think Najee Harris is a better third down player. I do think Najee Harris can do a lot of the same things Devontae Williams can do. He didn't run the 40. Again, it's not the end of the world. Long speed is only so important. But getting that 10 yard and 20 yard, like the splits, I would have definitely liked those. The fact that Najee Harris didn't do it is a red flag to me, especially again, agents are smart. The guy's going to run like shit. They're not going to run. Yeah, I have Harris. I mean, I have him neck and neck, 38 and 39. Harris got the bit, uh, the the bump there, and it comes back just to – he does more in the pass game for me. He does. So he I'm going to take the guy who can do a little bit more in the pass game. But, you know, Williams is younger. Williams, I think, was a 4.3 in uh, high school, maybe even the valedictorian of his high school. And uh, he's, again, you know, maybe overrating it, but he's a he's an identity piece, right? Like yes. if you have him getting the ball, he's somebody who's going to bring a mentality to your offense. And that's something this Broncos team has lacked for since, since Peyton Manning's been gone, they have not really had an identity. Um, so if you can get him in here and maximize his four years of his rookie contract, I'm all for it. Um, I have them both 
right there. If they were there at pick 40, great. I'm not taking any of them in the first round. Um, but uh, that doesn't make them bad players. That just means I don't value them as highly as some others might. I just have such a hard time with taking a running back at 40. I really do. I Especially with the Broncos signing Melvin Gordon. I know I can't really look at that. It's only one more year on the deal or whatever. But I, I just have such a hard time when I still think at 40, there's going to be players at other positions of higher value. Um, that Probably. I can Probably. And to your point with Melvin Gordon, the thing, and this is why I cannot for anything get on board with a first round running back, especially this year. Normally I would be opposed to it anyway, but I cannot. Like there's there's no way you can argue with me that a first round running back makes sense this year for the fact that Melvin Gordon's still on the roster. Um you draft a running back, that guy's an immediate starter. Like that's that's what they do. There's not a there's not a ramp up period for a first round running back. You draft that guy because he can play on day one as the workhorse back, or as a key part of the rotation, what the hell is the point in doing that when you already have Melvin Gordon? Top 10, 12 running back Melvin Gordon, probably. And that's that's not, you know, it's not saying that much, but uh, you bring it in a 1A to 1B, I don't know. I'm not doing that. Um, I know that I'm not, I'm now <laughs> in the driver's seat here. Oh, somebody who has not gotten much credit or had much talk about, I'm curious if he's in your top 40, because I went back and viewed him and I'm like, okay, I see what's going on here, but talking with some people, apparently he's completely reworked his body and uh, somebody who has, I mean, looks like a fantastic player. I mean, has the length you want, the size you want burst Joe Tryon, Washington. Did he make ah. your guys' top 40? How high is he? Because he's getting some buzz of being a guy who could be maybe that fourth edge rusher off the yeah. board in this class, definitely fifth or sixth. And uh, he's one. I have him. He came out in my over Trevon Morig, 27 overall, my edge five. But uh, I think he's, He's won. If he'd have played this year, he could have gone much higher. I agree with that. I do think if he would have played this year, he'd be getting first round. Like he'd be getting consistent first round buzz if he played what what I think he would have played as. Um, as it is, I have him at thirty nine on my board. I would definitely consider mm-hmm. him at forty if the Broncos took him at forty. I could live with it. I like the fact that he played in space. He's rushed from a three point. He's rushed from a two point. He has speed to power. He has the ability to bend the arc. He's not. He's not Ojolari, but no one is in this class. Um, but he has enough to threaten the edge. He can use that. Um, yeah, I like him. I definitely like him. Yeah, I'm I'm right in that same area as you are. I think I, I can live with him in the second, but I still like – for me, I like Joseph Asai more. I like somebody mm-hmm. like more at I edge. So I, I don't think that I would go that direction. So a couple questions because, again, I know I'm keeping you guys – Couple questions. First of all, is there any guys you had a ton of problems stacking um, so far? Like just and again, I, I already told you Mac Jones for me. I put Quiddy Pay on my board. I would be really really shocked if the Broncos actually consider him, just because again, I think in an ideal world he's going to a four three defense where he's rushing from a three point or four point stance. I think he's a guy that you kick inside and probably make advantage of on like passing downs. I don't think he's a guy that you want dropping in space. I think it's a waste for him. Um, I think he could do it, and if you know, you coached him up to do it. I mean, Bradley Chubb learned how to do it, but I just don't think like I had trouble stacking because I think a lot of him, but I don't think the Broncos are going to necessarily want him. Yeah, I had issues with uh, Gregory Russo being. Oh, one I don't, of even, have, I don't even have him on my board. I don't either. Okay, I have him thirty-four just for the frame. Um, I think he could be a good five technique, four technique, and do some versatile stuff here. I mean. Disruption is production. I'm not going to totally dismiss what he did, and I understand he's going to probably change his role. But I think he's somebody that you're, he, he's an investment piece 
and I think you can get him in here in a couple years. He could be a pretty darn good player. Um, another one that I was not really sure what to do with. I really like his tape in 2019. Uh, this year was not as good. Um, didn't really play to what he his body and skills are, and that was uh, Carlos Basham Jr. Yeah. Um, you were talking earlier. Maybe he's a little bit of the the B version of what you're getting with Bradley Chubb as an A version. But uh, I know it, you'd rather have a power player next to a more finesse player on the other side, ideally. But I just need guys who can win and get after the quarterback. Uh, so Carlos Basham did make my top 40, but I did have a hard time um, slotting him specifically. And also I have Peyton Turner right there as well. A little bit taller built. I didn't like how much he ended up on the ground when I watched him. But I mean, the length that he plays with, the way that he can disrupt uh, at the at the point and get guys off their spots and win with power, uh, still kind of learning it. I'm, I'm intrigued by him as well. It's a not super talented top of the edge class, but there I let me see how many did I have in my top 40. I had eight edges in my top 40. So I guess that's kind of where my head is at right now with the position in general, where the Broncos roster is and what I think about guys in that like late first to early second range. Totally. I, you know, who I struggled with was um, Jalen Mayfield. I, I, mm. I struggle with him, whether being a tackle guard and he just didn't test well. And yeah. I thought I was looking at a really good athlete on film. So I, I had a very tough time sacking him. I definitely thought he was going to test better. Uh, I think he is a, not, and again, it sounds it kind of, it sounds crappy to say it like this, but I feel like he's like a poor man's version of what you're getting with Te- Tevin Jenkins in terms of good on down blocks. He would fit the Broncos, and this is how I view it: is I think he fits as a right tackle for the Broncos on the power stuff because he can still down block, do those things. The athleticism does create a question on what he's going to do. But when I saw him, he looked okay on the second level. So like, I don't have a huge issue. Um, if he falls to the third, I would definitely, I can definitely get on board with it, but I definitely moved him down my board based on the workouts, the fact that he didn't play very much and he's young and he's very inexperienced. So like he is a project. So I think if you draft him and he ends up having to play because James is hurt, that might be an issue. Yeah. Not ideal. It's, it's, yeah. He's a tough player. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and that's, uh, so that was going to be my next question for you guys is, and I, and I mentioned Jabril Cox. Do you guys have guys that you consider your guys, like guys you would bang the table for at nine at 40, um, guys that you're just, you know, you're high on and you feel like you're pretty sold on what they're going to be able to do. Um, I mentioned Jabril Cox. I also see Baron Browning as one of my guys. I've spent a lot of time with linebackers this year, more than I normally do. Um, but those are the two guys also Ojolari. Um, and honestly, in this, I feel, I feel like this is crazy because everybody seems like they're on board with him now. Justin Fields is definitely one of my guys. Um, when I watched him, I just, I, I have concerns about the anticipatory throws a little bit, but I have less concerns about that than a, the rub that he's gotten. And also I definitely think he's better at it than Drew Locke was coming out. Like Drew Locke was not good at it coming out either. So it's weird to me that we're bashing the hell out of Justin Fields for this. And the other thing with Justin Fields that I think is just kind of weird the whole one read thing, like he's moving off his reads just as much as any of the other top quarterbacks. So like, I don't mm-hmm. know what the hell we're doing here. Yeah. It's just sometimes he's, he's quick to like get to that first read. If that makes sense. Like the decision, like the guy is open, get the ball. Like you, it's go, 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 go. Like sometimes I feel like that's the issue. It's not so much coming off the first read. It's how long it's like, okay, the first read is there. Let's, let's, let's get moving. Like it's good job, Ohio state. Good job, Brian day. You made the right, you schemed it up. Perfect go execute fields. Um, but, uh, the, I'd have no issue with my love Justin Fields. Uh, he's been my number two quarterback from the get go and he's still there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I like him a lot. Um, one that I guess I'm higher. I really like, I know that people are going to be around the board and if the Broncos take Jason Owen in the first round, 
half of you know Facebook Broncos media is going to be beside them. Zero sacks. Like we had like yeah. forty yeah. pressures. I you know I don't care if, if there's any position in football that is a traits based position. It's the edge rusher. Like the yeah. freaks are. That's that's the reason the NFL is so good at identifying those guys. It's because those traits translate most of the time. So I have no issue with that, especially with how the Broncos uh, are set up right now, right? Like you don't need to depend on him right now. He's going to be your first guy off the bench. And if he's learning at year one, great. That's all you need from him. So uh, that's one that I would, I I think I'm higher on him than general consensus. And I've seen mocks. I think it was Mario over at Roto world uh, projected the Broncos taking Oa at uh, nine overall. That's a little high for me. I like like no trade. That's, that's a little high, but if they traded back, let's say to 14 and they took him, I'd get it. I think he has that level of upside and athleticism and the, the un, uncoachables and unteachables. Um, another guy, and now everybody's here, but watching him, uh, Tevin Jenkins is a heck of a lot of fun. Now I'm hearing that he might go as high as eight. I don't know how I can say that that's like my guy of a higher on him than most of he's going to go eight overall. But uh, I think I'd have no issue if somebody said Tevin Jenkins is going to be just as good as Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater. Or if you told me that 10 years from now. I'd buy it. I think he's got the, the movement skills, the technique. I mean, he's got the strongest hands in this class. Um, he's, he's a fun, he's a fun ass player. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we already kind of hit on my guy. My guy was always jamming Davis. What's interesting about him was though, that after that pro day, he skyrocketed so far up that I'm not sure I'm high on him anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like when I saw that Cowboys at 10 thing, did you guys see that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Man, I, I can't get behind that at all. Um, so I don't know. It's probably Greg Newsom now is the guy I'm highest on. He's uh, for all the reasons I said earlier, just, just so, uh, just so fluid at his size, still plays like he's six one per awesome scheme fit all of that. And the one of their corner, since you mentioned Newsom, the guy that I think is my guy in terms of corners now is probably Asante Samuel Jr. Um, he's, he doesn't have the size that Newsom has. And I think a lot of teams in the league are going to have issues with that size. And that's one of the reasons why I think he's going to slide and be an option at 40. But if, if the Broncos take him at 40, I'm going to be pretty pretty happy because I think he has the click and close. He Again, he's undersized, but he he's willing to tackle. And I think that that's the biggest thing you really want in a corner, especially in a Fangio defense. And the way he can read – like the way he can read routes, like in phase, like is is really special to me. You can tell that he grew up doing it, and that instinct will play. Um, I do think he would get big boyed a little bit, but against bigger receivers. But the thing is, you're dealing with the Chiefs, so like that's not going to be as big a concern unless they go and get a bigger receiver, because he's not going to be on Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Uh, last question, I guess, before I let you guys go. What? Oh, look, I guess two-parter to it. What is, in your mind, the perfect draft in terms of first round, second round? And then what would be worst case scenario, first round, second round? And again, I'm not going to hold you to this and like kill you on this if you change your mind tomorrow. But it's something I think is interesting to kind of like think about as we're talking about the board. I'll give you mine. Obviously, Justin Fields. I would take Justin Fields at four. If they have to trade up to four and trade away draft picks to get him, that's what I hope they do. Um, but that's obviously my ideal situation. Um, at 40, again, Asante Samuel or any of the guys listed above him um, on my first round board. Uh, some of the guys that might fall on the board that I think could potentially be there. Um, again, Farley, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like the big one. Um, maybe the question, like, I don't think Phillips medicals are going to be enough for him to fall that far. Uh, especially now that he worked out. I think someone's going to sell themselves on him regardless. 
But back before those, if he would have fallen, I would have been cool with it. But yeah, um, Samuel and Fields, if the Broncos have a second round pick and a first round pick and still get Fields, I am over the moon. Uh, Worst case scenario for me, if they take Najee Harris in the first round, and I know that there's that rumor kind of like out there. I don't know if I necessarily buy it just because I don't think George Payton is that stupid. Um, and I know like, I, I throw this on Twitter a lot, like where, like, I'm really critical of George Payton because I, I just, it's kind of how I, I, I'm a dick. I don't mean to be a dick, but I am, but like, I don't think he's stupid. Like at the end of the day, like I was really happy with the hire. Um, and I think that he learned from some of the things that the Vikings did like, and I'm, I'm hoping he did. Um, I think the Vikings overdrafted running backs and I think that they've, because of that, that hurt them and they overpaid them. Um, so I'm hoping he learned from that. But that would be my worst case scenario is taking Najee Harris anywhere in the first round. And then the second round taking, like, if you take a running back in the first round, then you compound it by taking a linebacker in the second round. I mean, I'm going to have issues just because I do think that there's bigger needs on the Broncos roster. Yeah, for me, trading up to number five, getting Justin Fields there. Uh, I think that's a distinct possibility. We'll see it a lot. That depends on what happens with San Francisco at four. But uh that would be that would be my ideal. I'd have no issue though if it was Trey Lance. I'd prefer Fields, but if it was Lance there, sign me up, giddy up, let's go have some fun. Um, in a trade down scenario, uh, be trading down maybe to 18, 19, taking Jason Oa there. I think he or any of the top four edge rushers. I really I don't think that's a, I think Ojolari could be there. I'd be ecstatic. My nine player. Uh, I'd be happier with that, honestly. But uh, I think Oa, maybe if you trade down 20, 21, that'd be great. And then getting maybe a Davis or a Browning there at uh, pick 40 um, and just really getting um, more athleticism in that front seven. Cause that's an area where this team could use a, a shot in the arm of youth. No doubt. Totally. Yeah. I, I'm with you guys on that first one. In an ideal scenario, I would like the Rogers to get Justin Fields. He's the number two quarterback for me. Um, it's a rich quarterback class, all of that in a trade down scenario would be Greg Newsom. And at 40, I'm struggling because before the testing, it would have been Elijah Molden. Now, the testing moved him down a little bit for me, just a little bit. I still like him a lot. Uh, but I, I think it would be if, – if Osai is there, I don't think he will be. But if he's there, that would probably – I like him a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the thing the thing that's interesting is if you don't think quarterback is a need – and, again, we have no idea if Peyton does or not. But if you don't think quarterback is a need, the Broncos essentially don't have an immediate need at basically any position unless you believe that they need to upgrade linebackers. Um, so it's, again, it's what's, it's, what's making this process so fun, but also kind of excruciating because they can go in any direction, but, um, I want to thank you guys for your time. Also, I did a really shitty job of introducing you. Um, so if you, for the listeners, Nick Kendall, obviously is at mile high huddle. Um, if you want to follow him on Twitter, he is at Nick Kendall, M H H. Um, obviously go follow him. He's awesome. Uh, and then Jr is at Jr drafts and he works for my high sports. Uh, and you can follow him on Twitter at JR Drafts. Thanks for having us, Joe. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Football, baby. Best time of the year. Yeah, yeah.